Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, uh, good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners. I've said that same intro about coming up to 100 times now. I think I might change it. One person that I would never change because she's my fabulous partner in crime is Emily Onis. Ems, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Chris. I'm hoping wanna... I'm going to be on your 100th podcast. I mean, really, yes. if I'm not. I might just not do it. I might just I might just let you do the 100th podcast because it's the HR on the offensive podcast, not the, the Chris Howard marketing director of Lace Partners podcast. But we always, you and I always think of crime fighting duos that we want to we be. Do. I don't know. It's our weird foible that we've got. I've got a really good one this week. Have Patrick you? Jane and Teresa Lisbon. Have you heard of them? No. Patrick Jane and Teresa Lisbon were on The Mentalists. It was a Channel 5 programme, I think, about five years ago. Simon Baker was the, the chap in it, the uh, the actor. So, And he used to wear wonderful waistcoats. Oh, like, and yeah, okay. Yeah. And if anybody's actually met me in person, they'll know that I don't do this anymore because we've been, since since lockdown, I've gone back to my casual, my casual wardrobe, but I used to always wear suits and uh, mm. waistcoats. And it was because I was inspired by Patrick Jane of The Mentalist. And I'm not going to talk forever about crime fighting GIs because that would be random on a HR focused podcast. We're actually going to put the HR world to rights with Sunila Jethma, who is the Vice President of Global Operations at Ceridian. Sunila, welcome. Hi, Chris. Hi, Emma. Lovely to meet you again. So thank you for inviting me to join you on this podcast. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, we are too. So we are going to put the world to right. So we're going to just get some general thoughts from you on uh, a few questions that we've got. Sure. And we've obviously talked about these beforehand. But before we put the world to rights. Uh, can you just give us a bit of a background on yourself? Um, and so. then also, just for those listeners who perhaps haven't heard of, I'm sure many of them have heard of Ceridian, but just for the checks and balances, if you can just uh, tell our audiences, members about who Ceridian are and what they do as well. Ceridian as well. Yeah, of course I can, Chris. Thank you. So firstly, yes, as Chris said, I'm Sunila Jethwa, VP of Global Operations here at Ceridian. Uh, I've been with the company for coming up to about 19 months now. My background is very much HR. I am, uh, I've been in HR for over 20 years and I've worked in both the HR and payroll space. A lot of my time has been spent working for uh, a global brewer in the HR industry. Uh, and my experience has ranged from being in business partnering to uh, leading global functions to deliver HR shared services and payroll. Um, so many years experience there, quite a wide range of experience within the HR space. I'm at Ceridium accountable for uh, bringing a strategic focus to our expansion of global operations. So we deliver similar to what I've done before, but on a larger scale for many customers. And I lead on the global operations strategy. So delighted to be with you here today. I'm going to talk a little bit about Ceridian and then I'll pass back to Chris. So from a Ceridian is a, a global HCM company. We're headquartered out of Toronto, Ontario and Minneapolis in Minnesota. So we've got operations in three regions, the Americas, EMEA in Europe and uh, Asia Pacific, Japan region. Um, and that includes uh, Australia and New Zealand. 
So very much Ceridian, uh, we have a brand promise. Our brand promise is all about making work life better. We have a commitment to make employees, customers, uh, our employees and, and in customers' employees work life better. And we, we operate in, in the three regions that I mentioned before. We operate at quite a pace. Our change is rapidly increasing for us. The the world of technology is rapidly increasing, especially given some of the um, experience that we've all had for the last kind of, I think it's exactly two years now, isn't it, with the whole pandemic and COVID uh, happening around us. So from a technology standpoint and kind of working in a new world, it's evolving almost uh, weekly, daily uh, in terms of how we work together. Uh, our flagship at Ceridian is uh, our HCM platform called Dayforce. It's our always-on people platform where we provide practically the end-to-end um, HR journey. So from if you think about the, the HR life cycle, so from someone joining your business to leaving the business and everything that happens in between, whether it be HR administration, learning and development, or, or it's about your HR system of record, or even from a payroll perspective and processing payroll. So we as Dayforce, we have a trusted group of customers that's around the ballpark of 5,400 customers. Um, and Dayforce is used by over 5 million people around the world. And we currently employ around 7,500 people. And again, our customers are based in about over 50 countries around the globe. So we're rapidly expanding. Cool. Brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to let Ems go first with the first question you want to fire away. Uh, Thank you. That's very gentlemanly of you. Thank you, Chris. Well, I am a gent. I actually just wanted to ask something before we get into kind of like things that keep in shared service directors and yourself up at night sooner. Just something that you mentioned there around your strapline for Ceridian, you know, making work life better. Really intrigued as to potentially over the past two years or focus this year going into next year what are some of the things that maybe you're thinking about for your own internal teams linking to that strap line could be quite an interesting starting point yeah it's a really good question actually and you heard me use the strap line always on people platform and so instantly as a hr professional the first thing that comes to mind is does that translate to everybody sits there working 24 hours a day round the clock and there's no work-life balance and that's not what it it is about it's about having access to technology that's available always on Um, so depending on which time zones you're sitting in which region you're in you're able to access that all the time couple that then with work-life balance so a really interesting topic right now is how do you how do you maintain work-life balance for your teams? And it's a key one for me. And, and if my team are listening to this, they will say she's already tasked us with how are you going to maintain work-life balance? We do need to provide coverage around the globe. I'm responsible for providing payroll services to 160 plus countries in different forms. And how do you maintain a team for supporting that when actually you need to balance with the work life as well and and so yes you experience long hours at times but how do we actually set ourselves up that means that people do get the right work-life balance so we're talking about follow the sun models how do we set ourselves up in a way that we're not just kind of boxed into our region and and therefore if there is a problem or a challenge or, or a requirement to work a bit longer in the day actually I'd 
I want to set myself up so that I can go, okay, I'm starting to approach the end of my day here. Actually, Emma, could you take the baton for me now? Here's the background. And then that person can take it and carry on through their time zone. So as a team, we're very much looking at how we can support our always on people platform with the right balance in work-life balance as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really, really interesting one. Um, just in general, that work-life balance and, and how you, I guess, reward and recognize people. I'm not just thinking yeah. financially reward, but how you just do those small things and make them feel meaningful. And it, it's something that, that I was asking a various number of different um, HR shared service directors about in a survey that we've just done the data gathering forum. We'll be released soon as I look at Chris and like, we will be releasing that soon uh, to the market. But I'm just curious as to, you know, are you thinking about not obviously within the realms of what you can share? Are you thinking about just reward or are you thinking from a recognition side, actually, it's, I don't know, more time off, it's days in the community. What kind of things are you doing perhaps to get that creativity outside of the workplace and bringing it back in, if you see what I'm saying? I think first and foremost for me at the minute, my priority, Emma, is actually the working hours. Like yeah. I need to get the right balance for my team in the working hours of how do we support always on Mm. with being able like I said the follow the sun model right can we set ourselves up that we understand each other's regions and we're not just boxed in we can then have the right amount of working hours etc couple that then with yeah looking at things like rewards so it may be that you ask people I mean this that I've experienced of people changing their working hours not necessarily doing the nine to five within their their country you'll find that people do actually ask I start later and then I go a bit later because that enables me to to service that and link to that then then there probably is things like recognition or reward um, or compensation elements of uh, depending on the times you might look at kind of allowances and that sort of thing so it's a wider conversation to be had um, with the the relevant folks but uh, certainly I think there is the piece on that yeah, no, fantastic, and appreciate. I just threw that on you, but it was just something that that sort of sprung to my mind. Fine. Um, I think the thing is, you know, uh, very hardworking people. You, you again, shouldn't lose sight of the recognition piece as well. So, from a reward point of view, you think about some of the hours folks are doing. You think about as well with pandemic, because everyone's been at home. We. It's, some people will say that they've saved time with traveling and, and they're not doing all that travel to work, et cetera. But then you equally find yourself while well, I'm sat at my desk and um, I've not moved and I've been here all day and I've ended up working a longer day than I expected to. So there's kind of been a bit of a mix with the whole pandemic and working from home piece. So, again, how do you how do you reward for that? Do you give people some time back um, or, or is it something monetary or, you know, here's some vouchers for something. So there's lots of options out there isn't there to consider um and for sure you know we've we've done a bit of that already like actually take this Friday off you know we had a recognition day where we recognized that everyone had been working absolute crazy hours and so yeah yeah no it's, it's really interesting just reflecting because one of the things that might sound like an obvious thing in a shared service world is being really good at planning forecasting not just the work that's coming in but therefore also how you manage your teams but equally, I appreciate perhaps as an HR function, are we always as good as that as we need to be is, is a question. And if we're offering people the flexibility, I guess it just places more emphasis than ever on some of those more business strategic skills that an HR shared service director perhaps needs 
the proactivity, the, the forecasting, the planning than ever before, maybe, to get the most out of people and support them. I think now that the world has changed so much over the last two years, and like you can imagine two years ago, at this point, two years ago, shared services were sat there like traditionally a shared services everybody thinks of there's a little office or or a big office in a location in a country and everybody has to go in there and then all of a sudden two years ago we were all told stay at home don't come out your house if you can work from home and technically can you work from home if you're in a shared service center or do you have to go in the office well you could argue no if I've got my laptop I can work from home so What's going to be interesting now as offices are starting to open up more is, is everyone still going to go back into this traditional, it's an office, you can see everybody, or actually are they going to mix it up? Maybe it's going to be a hybrid of that. But equally then, I think the other thing that that I certainly would be thinking about is how are you going to manage that from a work-life balance perspective as well? How do you forecast the hours, the shifts or however you do your rotor system or your follow the sun model I think that's key things that that need to be thought through about how we now deliver in shared services yeah I wonder what impact that will make in terms of the number of people required to do specific jobs and what what I mean by that is instead of just people being drilled into the ground because they've got x amount of work bucket of work that they've got to do and they're not able to achieve it over a, the contracted hours that they've got well how much do we think do you think that organizations will start to look at you know the number of people it takes to do a job almost and say well look we were overworking our people we had a workforce of I don't know, i'll pick an arbitrary number we've got a workforce of five thousand people and realistically we've done a little bit of productivity uh, assessments and we've realized that actually we were asking those five thousand people to do too much and actually <clears throat> to get more efficiency as an organization maybe we need five and a half thousand people mm-hmm. and those extra 500 people can help to bring that work-life balance i mean do you think that's something that organizations will be considering i mean obviously there's the tangible where well, we've got to pay all of these people um, that organizations will need to think about but i'm just wondering about those those residual productivity gains mm-hmm. that could be that could be garnered from thinking about it slightly differently yeah, I think it's really key, Chris, as my personal view is it's really key to be looking at that. And I think it actually opens up avenues, doesn't it? So uh, just my initial reaction to that is, one, I think it's really important that people do the analysis and really assess, like you say, 5,000 people doing 5,500 people's worth of work. There, there, there has to be a factor around work-life balance considered in there. I think equally, as people are starting to change that that mindset and concept of we all need to be sat in this office in this you know a shiny machine here um, in the center of whatever city actually the reality is is why wouldn't you mix it up and and say okay yeah we will have a hub and there will be people that do go into the office maybe that's on a rotor basis maybe it's actually my five thousand are going in there 500 i'll actually be remote workers or maybe it will be diminished from the 5,000 going in and half of that going in, therefore you need less office space. And actually, let's use that money that you're saving there to to fund the 500 at home that allow you to plug a a gap, I guess, in that work-life balance piece. So that was my initial reaction to what you said there was that I start to go down that line of thinking, how can I change a bit on this side to to add a bit more on that side to get a better work-life balance for people? 
it certainly keeps me awake at night not like life balance piece of how, how do I make this work to be able to deliver around the world without compromising service and all of that but equally without you know at the expense of of my employees how can I do that and is there anything else to deliver that you think is either keeping yourself or more broadly just your peers, I guess, in other organisations? So shared service directors or directors of big you know, HR operational teams up at night. You talked about the work-life balance piece. Is there anything else that you think is on the agenda? I think there's a, a yeah, there's a few things, actually. Um, I think firstly, there's the war on talent that so many people now have experienced different ways of working but also had moments of really thinking about actually what do I want to focus my time on? Do I want to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week working and working and working and I haven't had the time with the family, et cetera. So people are, again, back to that work-life balance thing. But equally, there's a lot of people looking at, at time for a career change or I'm, I'm actually going to look at going to a different company or industry. Um, so I think the war on talent is key. I think Many businesses, it's fair to say, are experiencing that kind of com- competition of, of retaining the talent. So that one area. I think the other things for me are from a technology standpoint, how do we how do we deliver differently? How do we make technology available to allow people to work differently, don't have to come into the office, um, can work from home? What technology allows you to automate more, speed up efficiencies in terms of operational delivery? So having the tools to do the job um, and doing it differently. I think there'll be a lot of focus on that and is a lot of focus on that. And then I think the other key bit for me is like business continuity. If this has taught us anything in the last couple of years is, you know, uh, I've probably said this on many a, a session where even Emma, I think you were with me on one of them, but who expected two years ago, almost to the day that we'd be told switch off, go home and switch back on at home if you can, or go on furlough when you're not working for however long. Again, we I think we all thought three weeks worth of furlough or something. And then all of a sudden, here we are two years later, just starting to come out of this. So I think that business continuity piece is really key. So yes, people are returning back to the office. And I think a lot there are folks out there that welcome that. I actually want to go into an office. I want to be able to interact with people and getting that balance right. But equally, if we had to do it again and somebody said to us in a few months time, can you react to this? I think people will be in a better place to be able to react because they'll have done their business continuity plans with a different lens on it to be able to react to things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose sort of reflecting on what you've just said there, the whole managing change piece is interesting, right? Linking to, to business continuity plan. And then also your your comments around sort of war on talent, career change, and people just really reflecting, saying, what do I now really want? What's most important to me? Linking that to culture and maybe, you know, employee value proposition. But I'll perhaps take the, the change question maybe, and then Chris, we can pick up on the, the culture piece because that'd be really interesting to get your thoughts on, Sunila. Change, managing change. Uh, what are your perspectives in general as to HR's overall ability to do that well, recognising that maybe we've learned some things, to your point, um, over the past couple of years? 
Yeah, I think for me, it comes down to individuals. Um, so I think it's about individual skill sets and level of ability to manage change. It's not an easy topic to manage. I don't think anyone would claim to say it was a, an easy topic to manage. I think it requires a lot of flexibility. And I think a key piece is communications, staying connected, listening, not just obviously talking through communications, but also having the listening piece, listen and understand what it means to people that are going through change, communicate as much as you can so that feel don't people don't feel like kind of out on a limb for a period of time, they don't know what's going on. It's daunting enough, I think, to go through a change, everyone goes through a change curve and Sometimes you can have, rightly or wrongly, you'll have silences in the communication because work's going on. But as much as it's happening, again, have almost like regular bursts of communication. So it doesn't feel like I'm not doing anything. Emma, I am working on this or I am working on this. This is what we've been doing. So I I think it's really key in terms of change management to have that driven. And and I think it's key to come from HR. Mm -hmm. I do. And, I, and again, it then to answer your question comes down to individual capability. And I think it's an area that we should be focusing on to to raise the game in terms of that level of skill set. Yeah, no, I, I personally absolutely agree. And it's one of those things, isn't it? Sometimes you get the feedback, oh, you over communicate. It's like, well, I'd rather we over communicated yeah. than said nothing at all. I agree. That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> there's no update. Just tell me there's no update. At least I know that you're thinking about it. Still. Exactly. Exactly. So you know that there are, someone's working on this. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's yeah. nothing, not a lot to tell at the minute, but someone's working on it. And I can expect to get some information at, at this point in the future. I think the other thing is teamwork as well. So when you certainly as a global business, if you're running a global business and you've got a big exercise going on, that's a change management. It's really key to be consistent in the communications, et cetera. So and that's no easy task trying to stay connected to your peer groups to say, okay, here's the message I need to deliver. Here's what I'm delivering. Equally, you might have different legislation in different countries that drive some of what you do. And again, that's a challenge. How do you keep on top of knowing and understanding relevant legislations that we know, right? In the UK, we've got consultation and Again, linking that in, ensuring everyone knows and, and is following the requirements in different countries is another key area of, of upskilling for folks if they don't already know that. Yeah. And you're, and you're talking about different people absorbing different information differently, um, different people like even things. If you think about larger organizations and then when you have line managers that are then communicating that information, is everyone communicating exactly the same? And at each level that you have, you know, it's... It, it's, it's very challenging not for things to turn into Chinese whispers almost or a, a version of that, isn't it? Because you've got yes. different way in which people communicate with each other. I want to talk just briefly on, you talked about the war on talent and it triggered something in my mind, actually, um, when you were talking about people with career changes, because pre-pandemic, I remember speaking to my brother who's an estate agent and he was saying, I'm not sure I enjoy this anymore. Um, I wouldn't mind being a surveyor. And I, was, I said to him, well, just go and do it skill and he said no, by the time I've had to go through that whole process and then drop down however many levels I'm just not going to be you know I'm and I've got a family to support etc 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 do you think Sunila that um so the, so the conversation sorry the conversation went on and I and ultimately he just decided he's just going to carry on and do what he's doing because you know it's too much of a a gamble for him so this idea of reskilling and retraining just came off of the table do you think post-pandemic, I know we're not quite post-pandemic, but I'm just for the 
for my own sanity, I'm going to say that. Do you think post-pandemic that changes very much? So that's one question. And the second question I've got on that, and it's related to an, a forum which we went along to where it was an insurance forum, and they were all talking, everyone in that room were talking about, have we actually hired people from outside of the insurance industry? Why are we so afraid to hire people from outside of the insurance industry? Do you think it's, in your view, do you think we are going to see as time moves on, as society moves on, more people that are going to be more open to that career change side of it? And do you think that is going to be easier than perhaps if I have that conversation with my brother in five years time, it becomes an easier conversation than it would have done three or four years ago when I had it with him? It's an interesting uh, question, actually, Chris, and, and you're looking at someone who's a HR professional here that's been in HR for over 20 years. But actually, my current role, I don't sit under the HR department. What mm. I do day to day is HR and payroll. And, and it all I'm still in the same field. But I actually so this is a personal one for me. I stepped out of being in the HR department at Ceridian. I'm actually part of the customer team. Mm. And when I opted to to make the move, it was interesting. Somebody said to me, would you consider stepping out of HR? And I said, oh, gosh, I couldn't do that. Absolutely. No way. Could I step out of HR? And it's quite interesting that I took a role that actually is outside of our HR function. That's really, and I, I sit in the customer office. But I think for me personally, I've stayed in the field and that was important for me. But I actually do sit in a customer function. So it has some different angles that have come in for me that are different to before. The other thing I would check is, sorry, share with you here is Ceridian actually run a number of surveys and actually we've got one hot off the press. So in 2022, I'll, I'll share some stuff that we've learned um, and it's from our 2022 Pulse of Talent survey. So we've collected data from around 6,800 workers around the globe and globally like 61% of employees are a flight risk at the moment. We've got 38% that are open to right opportunities and 23% are actually actively looking. So it feels like it's a hot topic right now and feels like we've got, uh, it's definitely of high concern for HR professionals. I think the other things that we're learning through this survey is that um, there are a lot of people that are looking at career decisions and it's more than just about pay. And it can range. Uh, and again, I'm happy to share the stats here that what we've learned is like 42 percent have cited it's around poor leadership. And that influences what they're thinking and what they're doing. 38 percent have, have cited lack of job security. And then 35 percent were, were saying it was about lack of flexibility. And that flexibility thing, I think, links to some of the other topics we were talking about. Right. It's we've had two years of working differently and people are are welcoming that flexibility. You have got the mix. There are folks that are really desperately want to get back in the office environment and step out of the house for the day and have that interaction. But equally, you've got the the bit in between where people want the hybrid or you've got the absolute extreme. People just, just want to work from home and continue to do that. Wow. It's fascinating statistics there. And maybe we will have to get back together to explore some of those. In more we detail. are going to have to, aren't we? But just reflecting on what we can maybe learn, you know, your, your journey there, Sunita, of effectively coming out of HR, as you've said, and going into another function in the business. One of the things I often talk to, you know, HR directors about is, 
what a customer doing what's marketing doing what can you bring from elsewhere to kind of challenge your own thinking maybe make that more direct link between internal experience to external experience what you know you said you've had some different dynamics or different lenses having made that transition what are some of the things that you've personally sort of gone actually yes that's different I've brought that in it's refreshing some tips I guess things to think about I think what what I'm see so working with the customers direct is is a, a fantastic opportunity for me so while I, I link it to what I did before but I had internal stakeholders my customers were internal whereas now my customers are external and it's fascinating to see there's actually I'm, I'm seeing similarities so I'm able to go oh well actually as I, this is how I did it um, and I can share my experience so we've brought in things like global governance models um, to help us to do to do things differently and, and strengthen what we're doing. Um, and that's been quite key. I think the other piece is really spending the time to listening. And, and we talked about in the change piece, it's not just about communicating one way, it's about actually listening as well. Um, and listening and having the time with the customers to understand what they need is uh, just a great opportunity. So my previous kind of experience has been more internal stakeholders with some opportunity for external. And so I think that's been the key bit for me. There's a lot of external factor coming in that helps me shape what I do. Love that. I love that. And, you know, that constant reinforcement of listening, what's working, what's not working, telling people what you're working on. It's a, it's a positive reinforcement, I guess. continuously improve and all of that stuff well this has been absolutely amazing i can't believe we're at 30 minutes already and we're coming towards the end of our podcast so we've only got time for for one more question which is quite frustrating because i feel like we probably could have talked for hours in so what we'll do is we'll get similar on and we'll uh we'll do more of these again but just we talked before this podcast about some prompt questions but we've not even covered sort of half of them really so we've got a lot more putting the world to rights to be done so I think we'll definitely do that but just one final question that we've got um, and just wanted to get your again general reflections on this Sunilla which is around kind of the tools today that you think are needed to be successful and you've talked obviously previously around the impact of technology and we've also mentioned about how important that communication is as well but is there anything else that you just want to just to touch on before we wrap up for our wonderful listeners yeah so I think from a tools perspective you've heard me talk about tools and I think what's key as a HR professional you you want technology that kind of captures everything and does everything for you in one place. We we live in a society now where everything's done on, on a handheld phone. It's amazing, isn't it, what you can do? Like you can order your McDonald's to, you can do your banking to, you can book your flights. And we're so reliant now on the gadgets around us, like the iPads or the iPhones, etc. Uh, that's that's I think the thing for from a work perspective as well. You know, you you want to be able to manage your employees through technology that's almost at your fingertips. And I think again, and I link this to kind of our day to day, the always on people platforms all about that. So you can have your app. You know, actually, someone just sent me a request for holidays. I need to approve that. Actually, I can just do that off my phone. Now I know it's sitting in my emails at the minute, right? Um, but what I can actually do is just pick up my phone, press a button, and my hol- the holidays approved for my team, and I can do that wherever I am. Actually, I don't have to be sat on my laptop or anything. I could be out shopping over weekend, and something pings up on my phone. Actually, it takes me two seconds to. to I've actually had a team co- comment on. I thought you were off today, and you were. Well, you pinged up on my screen, so I just hit the accept because it was quick 
and easy. Obviously, there isn't sometimes there are things that I can't just do in, in a two minute while I'm walking down a shopping aisle. But the ability to manage your employees, admin, whether it's you're doing the, the people stuff and administration around day-to-day processing a, a, an action in the system you can do that at your fingertips you know you can approve anything at your fingertips these days so I think that that's one piece that's key the availability of the mobile app to to do that equally I think the other things that you can do through the technology like people are using it for performance management they're using it and, and I don't just mean that from a, a performance improvement perspective from I mean generally even for appraisals year-end reviews etc it's a re- really good tool to to be able to do that people are also using it from the learning and development point of view so access to learning tools courses and then actually you've got your system of record then of of people's capability learning etc um so i think that that's key and then also from a payroll perspective i think it's key for us to to have the technology that one you put your information in it validates the data and then it churns it out to to actually pay people so again that is continuously evolving and then my other favorite one and i'm i'm going to throw this in because i do do like to to put this into my little chats here is we're introducing a concept called day force wallet which is your pay on demand and this typically sparks a lot of um, interest and conversation of how do you actually pay people on demand so we're on the seventh of the month already and actually dayforce wallet allows me to to actually you know i've worked seven days and i've got access to pay that i've already earned so that kind of technology is evolving and you know as we go into the future you're going to start to see that you don't actually have to wait for payday which is in another few weeks time actually I've, I've earned my seven days pay I could I've got a bill to pay it was unexpected I could go and do that so it's fast evolving um, yeah. technology space yeah it's really interesting that real-time payments that earned wage access side is really really interesting and particularly as more and more organizations are realizing actually this should become one of our underlying pillars within our own EVP and how we are offering just something a little bit different to our employees. So I think that's that's quite interesting. But Sunil, it's been absolutely amazing having you on today. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both you and Emma today. Really appreciate the conversation and it's it's been really interesting and fun. So I look forward to doing some more with you in the future. You we will definitely do some more and Emma will have to think of I'm running out of crime fighting duos that I actually you, could reference, but well, you you're gonna to have to come up with one next time. That I also know, because half yeah. of what you suggest I sit there going, Am I just, you know, too young for you really to know who they are or not cool enough? <laughs> Now, 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 now. On that note, I think we'll end today's podcast. You can get this podcast, HR on the Offensive. If you search via, if you call out to your Alexa device or any device, if you've got a Google, hello, Google Chrome device, well, I can't remember what they're called, but um, the Google devices that you have, you can call out HR on the Offensive and you'll be able to find us. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can also go to Lace Partners website. If you just go to lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast, you'll find us there. But on behalf of Emma and Sunila, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.